Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insights, brought to you by Training Pros. When you have more projects than people, Training Pros can provide you with the right L&D consultant to start your project with confidence. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Learning Insights Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Training Pros. Without them, we could not be sharing these important stories. Today on Learning Insights, we have Paul Neiman in with Prudential Financial. Welcome, Paul. Welcome, Lee. Thank you very much for having me today. Well, I'm excited uh, to talk about uh, the topic we're going to be talking about, which is learning strategy for 2021 and beyond. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about Prudential Financial. How are you serving folks? Well, I'll tell you, we provide financial solutions for individuals as well as advisors and institutions uh, throughout the world. We're here in the U.S. as well as in some emerging markets around the globe. So we're here to bring you some uh, unique and very uh, fulfilling financial solutions. So now as the VP of Learning Strategy, how does, like, what's your role in the organization? Well, my role, I'm in a um, center of excellence, and it's the employee and development um, capability center of excellence. And really, my role has three parts to it. One is to bring an overarching enterprise-wide learning strategy to Peru globally. Another one is really to help the organization identify the critical capabilities um, and develop those critical capabilities that will really give us a differentiated competitive advantage. And thirdly, I do some um, learning advisory for all of the different learning groups in in the organization. So it's quite exciting. I'm really, uh, I enjoy it and it's quite a, uh, quite a great role for me. So now how does uh, that kind of a mission get adjusted when the pandemic happens? You know, Lee, I really keep a close eye on the societal demands out there. And right now there's a big need for connection with employees. And so I bring a very, strong relational learning to the organization. There's, there's a lot of demands around social equity and racial equity, and we really address that as a learning organization. And um, really finding what are those new capabilities out there uh, for Prudential within the organization that can help us kind of uh, bridge this time and move into the future, adjust, if you will. Now, when you're kind of coming up with this kind of a macro view, how do you get that drilled down into actual, you know, actionable things for the your folks that you're serving? Yeah, and that's a great question. And really, that's the that's the art of it is taking a strategic viewpoint. Um, I create an architecture. I create a learning development architecture and leadership development architecture, and then really drill it down through alignment. So I align the, the uh, societal demands through to the priorities for the learning um, for the learning organization. And then we talk a lot about how do we take these demands and how do we take these priorities and really link them to the objectives of the learning programs and, and the learning that we do all the way down to the activities. So it's really about some ruthless alignment is what I call it, um, which turns the the actions and aligns them to the strategy and really makes it real for people. 
Now, how do you get the kind of up and down the chain? How do you get that kind of alignment and and them being heard and them knowing, okay, I can understand how this makes sense for me, and then them having a voice to maybe kind of help you tweak kind of the overarching strategy, you know, yeah. kind of where it's a back and forth. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a really good question, Lee. And I'll give you an example about something we're doing. Let's take racial, racial equity, for example. You know, we know that that's a societal demand right now. And we know that that and uh, diversity and inclusion is a priority for us as Peru, as well as other organizations as well. So what we do is we take that down and we overlay it over the learning that takes place. So we have some programmatic learning that we give people the skills and the definitions about DNI, but more so than that, and this I think really gets to your to your question, is we bring in um, learning that is more relational. That I I bring in action I bring in action learning, which is something developed by Reg Revens, and it's business driven action learning, and it's about bringing these teams together, these these diverse groups of people together where they can learn from one another, learn from the environment. They go through a process of asking questions. They go through a process of really applying their knowledge to the business issues at hand. And then that, we bring it from the bottom of the organization up to the strategy, up to the policies, up to the procedures. So the entire organization is learning. So that's one example of taking the business demands of racial equity down into the learning and then back up to the organization strategy. And it works quite well and it works quickly. So you can really um, uh, build the capability within the organization fast. And now one key here is, for me anyway, is not to rely on the programmatic learning, not to rely on just the learning programs that have a very hierarchical view. It's, um, it's really kind of learning, pushing it down from the top, but providing the, the guidelines, the guardrails, if you will, and creating an environment for people to learn from one another. And then finding the ways to pull that learning up to the organization, whether it's presenting to senior leadership or whether it is um, impacting the policies. Uh, so it's really learning from inside in and outside in and all throughout the organization. So that's one example of how we can um, bring that strategy to life and then really make an impact um, so we can address those societal demands. And do you find that the culture is really the key to making all of this thing click? Because if the culture and this kind of activity is congruent and there's trust and authenticity, then that kind of learning can be shared and people can become vulnerable and they want to help it, and the information can flow more freely? Yeah, that's, a, that's another good question, Lee. I could tell you do this for a living, <laughs> asking really good questions. Um, concerning the culture, let's look at it as underlying values, norms, and belief systems, if you will, that are shared among a group of, group of employees. What I do is first I describe what that culture is, and I look at if this is what I want to do in the organization, if this is the change I want to make, what are the barriers in the culture and these underlying belief systems that might stand in the way? But also, what can I leverage in these belief systems? Like, for example, if, if employees believe that learning from another is very valuable for them, I'll really leverage that. But if they really believe that the only way to learn is top down, then I'll find ways to um, combat that and change that belief system. So it's a matter of 
I, uh, of recognizing the culture and defining it and then working with it and kind of evolving it over time. But finding those, those spots that inspire people in the culture and drive that. Now, when you're working in this manner, how do you kind of measure the results? Like, uh, like I know you have an intention that you would like to have happen. How are you kind of knowing you're on the right track or if this is even a track worth pursuing? Yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, what I do is I look at, um, of course, the lagging indicators because everything is that we do needs to, needs to align to the business strategy and needs to um, move that needle. But that's really tough sometimes to um, connect what it is we're doing to the, to, the, to the business outcome like that. So what I do is I look for those leading indicators. For example, maybe it's the succession planning processes, or maybe it is um, some diversity that we're trying to bring in, or maybe it is readiness of, of managers. And I put measures around those leading indicators, many times HR processes, to let me know if I'm on the right track. But then that's, that's firstly. And secondly, I'll look at the actual uh, learning itself and learn, look at the learning objectives and make sure that you got those right and make sure that, what you're, that you can measure those learning objectives in some way. So it's multiple layers of measurement. Um, but I think that's really important to, to design and lay out that measurement way up in front, way up front. And then what is some of the activity or some of the results that you get that gets you high-fiving your team at the end of the quarter? Yeah. You know, I'll tell you uh, what it is for me. And so one of these programs I brought um, in, I got a letter to my, um, to my office and it came in and it was from one of the participant spouses. And it said, Paul, I don't know what you all did in that learning, but my husband sees the world a whole different way. The way he treats my family is different. He's open to more discussions. He looks at things very differently. He's a learner now, opposed to a judger, as the words that the words that used in this letter. And, you know, I kept that because to me, if I can make that impact on leaders, if I can, if we as an organization can make that impact and spread that throughout the organization, that's what we high five to. Because that was our goal. Our goal was to shift the mindsets in the organization from judger to learner, if you will. Shift the mind, sim- similar to uh, racial, racial equity and diversity. The, sh- the mindset shift would be to really seek out these different perspectives and these fresh perspectives and bring those back into the organization. So keeping an eye on how we impact the people, that's what that's what does it for me. That's what gives me my gratification and my team's high fives. I just got a, I got a, um, a chat today from somebody over in Europe that said, we did it, we moved the needle and, and everybody's inspired around it. So it's about inspiring people for me um, because that's how you're going to impact the business results. And then, it, uh, and it, and it goes well beyond that as that note kind of, uh, explains is you're impacting a family and that could be impacting a community. The, it's not just the kind of work you're doing at Prudential, the, the ripples go well beyond Prudential. 
And that's some of the societal demands, particularly right now with the with the COVID-19 is where do people connect and and what do we provide as an organization? I mean, today, you know, we are the we we are the connector in many ways um, in society. So we connect as an organization with a and then they bring that back to the family. And then it it then it truly does impact society over time. So I think you're right. It's um it's the whole person, it's the authentic person, it's um it's it's the whole person that we're dealing with. And there we move away from that programmatic view of learning to the relational view of learning, which is the where we started with this conversation. And that that to me is where we're heading as a learning industry, is much more. Uh, much more relational, asking questions, knowing the person, reflection, you know, really taking feedback and using feedback and connecting and looking at the looking at the person as a whole as authentic and uh, connecting those people in a networked way around the organization. And that's what we do with these programs. And that's what we that's what we do at Pru. Now, any advice for the learning leader in a, in another organization that's trying to um, kind of do similar work that you've accomplished at Prudential. Uh, how would you go about beginning this or at least having the conversations with the senior leadership to open their mind to the power of kind of this kind of thinking? Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's a good one. And what I do is find a way to resonate um, to the leaders because it's really tough when you talk about training in terms of ROI and, and those sort of terms. But if you logically appeal to the leaders, what I do is I, I create, a, I call it an architecture. I create a learning architecture. In other words, these are the demands. This is how we're going to meet those demands. These are the learning um, events and, and strategy we're going to use to get there. And this is how we're going to measure it. And when they see that alignment, when they see how it all fits together and it resonates, that's the first step. And then from there, building all the detail out of it and showing them, showing them what it is. Because many times, you know, people don't want to get down into the weeds, but they want to see examples of the weeds. So start out by really calling, calling it what it is, looking at those demands, both in the society, the, the environment, the competitive demands, the customer demands, and then the demands inside the, universe, inside the organization and, and address those and look, look for Look for that, what I call the, the litmus test is, does it resonate? Do they sit back and say, that makes sense. I learned something today. I never thought of it that way before. That's what I go for in those initial meetings is that, that aha moment of, of, I never thought of that before. And that's a great way to look at it. And that makes a lot of sense. Then I know we're on the right track because that's what resonates. That builds trust with the leaders. That builds hope that things are going to change and that builds a lot of confidence in the, in the, the training and the change that we're going to, that we're going to build in the organization. Then do you try to create like a pilot program or a beta test in order to test that thesis um, and then roll it out system wide? Like, how well, that... you know, that's I used to do that, but the environment's changing so fastly and really I use an agile approach more than, more than a waterfall approach. So you know, I really get in there and and build it and start implementing and let the process learn. Let the let the let the learning 
programs and learning processes themselves evolve with the time. So I don't wait. I don't, I, I, I like to get in there and implement um, right away because I know we have some sound, some sound things and then we, we adjust as we go along. So now to that point, you know, I look for things that we can leverage and scale within the organization. So I will start small. I'll start with small groups, but it's not necessarily a pilot. It's more of a um, implementation at a smaller scale. And then I look for ways that I can scale that out in the organization, which saves money, saves time, and is much more efficient. So you're rolling it out and you're learning and tweaking as you go? You bet. Absolutely. So now, um, how do you use the learning organization to leverage voice and choice? You know, that's a, that's a great question and one that I have been really working with lately. And that's been really top of mind. I've been looking at what's happening within our organization and others. And, you know, when I, when I think about voice and choice, I think about uh, diversity and inclusion. Let's, let's put it in that lens, first of all. And I think the organizations have measures out there for that. We have numbers of diverse candidates in the pipeline. We have numbers of diverse diverse um, positions, different positions. There's training out there for implicit bias and all of that. And I think that organizations, or we anyway at Peru, are really evolving past that to, to include that, of course, that's necessary but evolve past that to really look at how do we create the agency in the, in the organization, which is the voice. And I think we do that through um, using the BRGs and a lot of organizations have business resource groups, but putting them into learning activities that allow connection with them to other groups in the organization and have them learn in ways that impact the processes and the strategy of the organization. And that's where action learning again comes in. And I'm a true strong believer in action learning. I've seen it work over and over again. Again, it's, it's attributed to the work of Reg Revens who first um, uh, brought it from some Nobel prize winners, but it's about searching out that fresh perspective, searching out learning from one another, searching out learning from outside the organization. Well, it's this voice and choice that's that fresh perspective. So bringing these, the, these, these folks together, bringing this voice together in a learning community that impacts strategy, impacts um, policy, impacts decision-making. And you do that, we do that in Peru through, through action learning, through um, other types of uh, programs that we have specifically for these groups working on projects, um, this, these sort of things. So it's about the feedback. It's about how do you get feedback from these groups um, into the strategy, the policies, and the decisions that the organization makes. And that's, that's, a, that's been on top of mind for me. And that's really where this, um, when I build a learning architecture and I look at these kind of demands, of the, of the environment, as well as the, the expectations of our organization at Peru is to increase this voice. It's about putting in the structure, the learning structure to be able to get information, not just from top down, but the learning structure to get information from bottom up and across the organization 
through different teams, through different supports, um, through different learning classes, through nominated type of um, type of learning activities, all of that. So you're actually bringing folks together that are across uh, all layers of the organization. So it's not siloed kind of learning. It's across the board all together. And then they're able to share and um, kind of get to know each other and understand and maybe have more empathy for each other. You're right. That's the relational part of it. So uh, um, specifically, we look at getting diverse groups of people together in a learning environment, like you said, from different levels. From, from different business units, from different parts of the globe, different geos, bringing them together and facilitating in a very uh, strong way how they learn together. So I use a lot of questioning. Instead of just giving information and saying, what are your ideas here? We use a lot of questioning to get at their underlying assumptions. So through, learn, through questioning, we can understand their underlying assumptions, understand their worldview, that gives us the empathy that you're talking about. And then we look at how we apply that worldview in different parts of the organization into the strategy. And that's the, that is that process of providing those guardrails for the learning, not just throwing people in a room and seeing they, what they come up with, not just throwing people on a project and assuming that they're going to be able to get their, their voices heard, but facilitating the questioning and that deeper understanding. That's what creates the change. And then providing the environment and the pipeline to get that fresh perspective to impact the policies in the organization. And then that makes sense. Well, and also practical, hopefully that's not too (laughs) theoretical. (laughs) No, but it's also, you want to be able to have them see that you, they were heard and that you're doing something uh, at least along those lines that, um, that you're taking action along their thinking. And that's where that inspiration comes in. That's where the inspiration comes in, Lee. So, you know, when, when learners go through that and they feel valued and they feel heard and they see the impact of their learning to the organization, if there's one thing I heard over and over again, the most, and this is what, again, to your high five point, is people came up to us and they continue to come up to us and they said, you know, I have a lot of hope. And that's the word they use over and over again. And they have hope because they see how they impact the organization and they see how their ideas can, can, can bubble up and really make a difference. And that's where the inspiration comes from. And so that in itself changes the, organ, changes the uh, culture of the organization into a very, very productive um, inspirational, inclusive organization. So now as we head into uh, 2021, uh, any advice for folks um, regarding this new post-COVID world that we're in for leadership, uh, maybe things that they should be thinking about uh, that can be rolled out organizationally? I, I do think so. I think that it's so important to look at the collective capability of an organization. We spend a lot of time looking at individual competencies and look at how we develop individuals within the organization. I think we really need to take more of a collective view and look at the, those critical capabilities that the organization does together or the function does together or groups do together 
And identifying those and finding ways to build and develop those capabilities. So again, the difference is this is a capability across a, a shared group of people, like maybe it's succession planning if you're in HR, or maybe it's actuary if you're in if you're in an uh, insurance group, or maybe it's you know about the customer experience and these sorts of things. Finding those and allowing the space to develop there, not just looking at it from an individual um, competency standpoint, because when people are working together and learning together, the environment's moving too fast for us to fragment and deconstruct so much into those competencies. So my advice for 2021 would be to identify what are those three key capabilities, either at the organization or the, or the function level that's collective and focus on those because that's what's going to give the differentiated competitive advantage. That's what's going to set your organization apart or your function apart. And if your support function, that's what's going to bring the biggest impact to the, to the organization at whole. So that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at for 2021 is identifying and building those capabilities because the fact is, is that Lee, they change, you know, every two to three years. So that's why you can't take three years to develop, you know, a program for capabilities. You really have to identify them right away and then find ways through people uh, and through from a relational standpoint to really develop them in an agile way. And Agile, I mean, our process is to do that. Well, Paul, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. Lee, thank you very much. And I'm very excited about what Prue's doing. I mean, we're really, you know, a true learning organization. And I'm real excited to be able to, to bring my craft there. So now, thank you very much for having me. Now, if somebody wants to learn more about Prudential, the website? Absolutely. Prudential.com. And if somebody wants to connect with you, uh, what's the best way? Is that LinkedIn? Yep, link, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, you have my information, the, uh, uh, my name, Paul Niemann. And feel free, to, feel free, anybody out there, to connect with me. And I'd be happy to share with you and also collaborate with you on things that you're doing in, in your organization. Well, thank you again for sharing your story, Paul. Thank you, Lee. Have a great afternoon. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Learning Insights. And remember, this work could not be done without the support of our sponsor, Training Pros. Please support them so we can continue to share these important stories. Thank you for listening. For more information about Training Pros, visit their website at training-pros.com.